Hello San Pedro podcast, episode 85. Hey, I'm Amanda. And I'm Jess. And this is the Hello San Pedro podcast. Join us as we talk with locals, community leaders, business owners, and people like us who love all things San Pedro. Every week, we'll explore San Pedro's deeply rooted culture, discuss local issues, and spread good vibes. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Hello San Pedro podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Silva. Great news. Jess is back. Bad news. She's not feeling so great after all the traveling. So please join me in wishing Jess a very speedy recovery and lots and lots of rest. We miss you, Jess. Also, before we get into the episode, we wanted to invite you to the 10th annual Dia de los Muertos festival hosted by this downtown San Pedro district. This is not only a big deal for our community, but it also attracts tons of visitors from all over Los Angeles and beyond. The event will have live entertainment, including performances by Mariachi Divas, a two-time Grammy award-winning all-female ensemble, as well as folklorico dance groups, including local youth dance groups. The event will also consist of over 20 local vendors from our community, a beer garden, delicious food, and tons of crafts for kids. I'll be there and I hope to see you there as well. Now back to our episode. So if you live in the area, you're probably aware of the Los Angeles council member race for the 15th district, which is usually a pretty big deal for this community. The 15th district includes San Pedro, Wilmington, Harbor City, Harbor Gateway, and Watts. You may have noticed candidate law signs all over our neighborhoods in the last few months. So we wanted to take the next two weeks to introduce you to the final contenders. Please keep in mind that this episode was recorded on September 12th, 2022, and does not include any conversation regarding recent events concerning the Los Angeles City Council members or candidates running for the upcoming election. In the episode, we will introduce you to our first candidate, who is a Los Angeles City native now residing in Harbor City. She is a community leader and former president of the Harbor City Neighborhood Council and budget advocate for the area. Let's go ahead and jump right into the episode. My name is Danielle Sandoval, and I'm a candidate running for Los Angeles City Council for the 15th District. Thank you. And can you tell us a little bit about you and maybe like your family history here? Have you always been here? Sure. Um, I actually grew up in Northeast Los Angeles, and uh, I made my way over here when I met my son's father. I've been in San Pedro, the Harbor area, for a little over a decade. Um, growing up in Northeast Los Angeles is very different, especially during the time when I grew up. There was a lot of crime, um, a lot of uh, gangs. Um, it was back in the 90s and 80s, so even during that time, um, there's, um, I don't know, probably too young to remember, but like Retro Ramirez and, and you know, what that was going on back in East LA. It was a very scary time growing up. Um, Moving here has really been, um, I'm grateful to the Harper area. We planted roots here. We have a family here. And um, that's partly the reason why that I'm running. I've noticed that there was a lot of inequities and we needed to do more. So um, it's a gem. Wilmington certainly is a gem. Um, San Pedro is a gem. 
Uh, there's a lot of history, especially surrounding the port and the fishing industry and the cargo industry. And so I fell in love with the area. I do live in Harbor City. I moved there. The area that I live in is very family oriented and um, so much diversity, so many different cultures. We have the AAPI community um, and just uh, it's our district is truly, truly diverse. Every community within our district um, is amazing, even in Watts. And there really is a lot of uh, history in Watts and beautiful infrastructure. So, um, I, like I said, I fell in love with our district. Yeah. And um, walking it back just a little bit more on your childhood, what was your upbringing like? I, don't, I grew up in Los Angeles, so going to, like, the observatory, um, a lot of uh, history from downtown Los Angeles, going to um, the movie theater, going shopping on Broadway, a lot of things that most uh, tourists do, uh, go to the Dodger game. That was always, you know, a thing that we did, go to the Dodger game or go see the fireworks at the Dodger game during Fourth of July, uh, going to the beach. It, it was, it, I love Los Angeles. I grew up here. So um, what most people would consider tourism, <laughs> it was like our daily life. Um, I, I just, I love Los Angeles. We have so much here. Hollywood, I mean, you know, there's a lot of great Was places. Hollywood a part of that? Like going yes. to... We used to take the bus. Mm-hmm. We used to take the bus to Grumman's Chinese Theater and go and, you know, walk around Hollywood and look at the stars, go to the Wax Museum. Get pizza? Um, is pizza those is big, pizza. giant pizza slices? Do you remember those? No? <laughs> I remember those, <laughs> yes. But we actually used to also go to um, Universal Studios, too, and take the tours there. Yeah. And so along the way on the bus routes, uh, we just stop at various different places. Mostly, actually, Chinese food we would get, like, in downtown L.A., Cause there's, so I mean, the diversity of culture is amazing here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Chinese food, I feel like, is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here in LA, I felt that too. Mm-hmm. So like, she's lived like all over the place, kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, right. in the big cities. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I've lived in here, in San Francisco, and then um, New York. Mm-hmm. And everyone says, "Oh, Chinese food in New York," you know, like that's a thing. But I was like, "No, Chinese food in LA is like yeah. I feel like a lot." In Chinatown, yeah, it's the best. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then we, to your point, we have a diversity like Koreatown. Mm-hmm. You can get a whole bunch of variety of food. I yes. love that. Um, what were some of your interests growing up? Like going through school, what were you interested in? It's funny that you mentioned that. My first internship was at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion for the Mark Taper Forum. I worked for the casting director. And I wanted to be in acting. I wanted to be an actress. I've never actually spoke about this. That's so funny. <laughs> so when I got the internship, I was so excited. I actually traded it for an internship with the councilman's office. I actually was awarded a internship with uh, CD1 uh, in their council office. But because I wanted to go into acting and I love theater and the arts, I traded my friend and worked for the casting director, which is so funny because now I'm running for public office. (laughs) So it's full circle. Um, That was my interest. Um, Also, I was a musician in the band in school. And so, like I said, I love the arts and theater, and that was my interest. Was that through school? Um, School, and my mother had me in a lot of community um, activities as well as like the YMCA and the Boys and Girls Club and I was always um, fascinated with um, music 
dance, theater, and that was a tap, <laughs> ballet. Yeah. Can I ask what genre of music your band was? I love all music. It's so funny. I do. I do love opera. And actually, a lot of people really? don't know that. Yes, I love opera. And that's why I was so excited to work at the Mark Taper Forum because we were able to see those plays as an intern, yes. And I used to do all the scripts. So I used to print out all the scripts. It was like like my dream job. Yeah. (laughs) But your band specifically, did they play all genres? I like all genres. Like on my playlist is all genres. Okay, okay. Very cool. And so walk us through your professional journey then. So you had this internship and then Mm -hmm. from there, where did you? So in high school back then, there were so many different programs that you could get into. Um, My, like I said, my interest was theater, but... In high school, I actually, um, I had my son. I was pregnant in high school. So my road was actually very difficult. Um, Through my teenage years into my adult life, my road was really trying to find a job, um, be stable, go to college. And um, most would say that my, my road was very difficult, but I think it made me stronger. It made me the person who I am. And, um, running for this office, I see things through a different lens. Um, Looking for a pathway to success was always my focus, but it wasn't just for my success, it was for my son. And um, after we lost his father, he um, lost his life to gun violence. And uh, for me, it was more about survival. So I utilized all of the programs. I utilized the community colleges. I went to, I did paralegal classes. I did real estate classes. I did notary classes. I did any type of course that I felt I would need for, um, uh, as a career or to be able to generate money because minimum wage was never enough. And finding that um, uh, another, Revenue in order to put food on the table or pay rent, uh, even public services, I didn't qualify for most because I did receive financial aid. I, re- I was working two jobs, and so they classified me as making too much money. So I yeah. didn't, I wasn't able to really utilize our public service system. And then navig- navigating it was very difficult because I didn't have transportation. So relying on the bus and then having to take my son to his doctor's appointments for um, you know his pediatrician visits, regular visits, and other things that I was doing. I was always, I think that's why I have the uh, work ethic that I do because I'm, I've always been constantly on the go and um, meeting a new opportunity and always walking through those doors no matter what. So um, I'm very grateful for what I have learned because I am self-taught and um, the education that I received even through our public schools and community schools, community um, colleges, I'm very grateful that those are there in place and I am a big supporter of, of traits as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. Yeah, thank um, you. I f- well, I feel like this does lead us into our next you know, mm-hmm. round of questions. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as somebody who has had to rely on the systems that the city provides, right. you know, like transportation and um, you know, either financial aid or whatever, I, I feel I can kind of connect the dots already, mm-hmm. but can you let us know why your, or how your decision to run for city council came about? 
um, this was back in the 90s, and back then we didn't have internet. <laughs> so even trying to find resources was a challenge, but now that we do live in a more digital world, it's still a challenge because the, we have a digital divide where people can't afford the um, internet or its services is very expensive or even the devices. Um, we've seen that with uh, the kids when we, through the pandemic, they had to get online. Mm. And um, just accessing or even navigating has been a challenge. Um, even going through the process of filling out paperwork in person to try to navigate you know, services is very difficult. But when you try to have to do it on the internet, that can even be challenging. And so we've, um, even though we're, we are successful in going into a more digital age, I feel like we, well, I know that we are leaving a big uh, population behind and we see that with our aging population. And so that has really been my focus, just trying to help with navigating the system um, as far as social security benefits, um, medical benefits. When you go for a prescription, now they'll say, oh, what's your email? Um, look online or go through a portal to receive your results. And I do have a, a lot of friends who are of the senior age that are that can navigate, but you can also see the challenges that they're faced with. And so having my plat part of my platform is having more resources within our senior um, community centers, offering more workshops for just how to navigate the internet, the basics, how to set up an email um, for the population that is um, doesn't have that personal assistance. That's what I want to provide. And also in different languages. Mm -hmm. We have a huge language barrier. So even navigating through a system that is not in your language is even more challenging. And having somebody there um, to assist them is something that I want to implement even through our parks and having um, classes through our um, community colleges, having classes and other nonprofit um, groups that can help us with those basic community services that we need. And um, so we, with the decision to run for city council, mm -hmm. um, I'm new to the area. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm still learning all about mm -hmm. all these positions. Um, what does the role specifically entail to be a city councilman or a city councilwoman? So you're representative of the community. Um, a big part of that is the budget, the budgetary. So when, as a representative for uh, your uh, respective district, the council person should be advocating for the needs of their district. Right now, our biggest problem, challenge, is more patrols within our community. We have a lot of crime that is happening and we don't have enough officers to fill that void. Through the city, we have seen a, a big uh, drop in um, just able to, for officers to apply. We're not seeing the people going through the academy. We're not seeing the hiring that we should be seeing. We're losing a lot of officers to retirement and other agencies that do pay uh, a more than what city of Los Angeles pay. There's no incentives. Um, officers are working uh, minimum days with long hours, uh, 12 hours. They cannot fill that void. So we're, we here in the Harbor area, if we're not calling and utilizing um, 
the 911 or even the non-emergency line. We're not capturing that matrix that we need to know where crime is, um, where the calls are coming from, where we need to place our officers. And we also have a communication break um, with the long times uh, that it takes to get an officer into our communities. And that's the biggest, that's number one, that's why I bring that up. Um, we sh our council office has, I will say this, has advocated for more patrols, but uh, part of that is we share officers, of course, throughout the city of Los Angeles, and the need is great. Um, also, another uh, thing that we need is just basic community services, uh, constituent services, uh, trash, bulky item pickup, and again, it's budgetary where we need to put more workers in our Los Angeles um, sanitation department so we can um, address all of the needs, the basic services. Also, our streets, our roads, our sidewalks are severely blighted. So bringing in money into our district and addressing that need, we can move money around from, you know, and we have money coming down for infrastructure, and that is something that I'm also focused on. Uh, the surrounding areas of our schools, especially with the broken sidewalks, I, I've seen a parent who was walking their child to school and tripped and fell. And, um, you know, we need to really address that, especially some of our sidewalks are not even ADA compliant, where, you know, if you are in a wheelchair or and you're, you need that ramp access, or if you're um, vision impaired, they have the little the little bumps. Have you seen those? In mm -hmm. the, so, and a lot of our streets and sidewalks don't have that. Um, I know in other communities they do have the um, the the audio where you can hear the beeping for if you're vision impaired. I have not seen any in our district, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we have a lot of areas that's high traffic. And we have um, a lot of speeding going on. And so the council office should really be addressing a lot of our constituent concerns. They also oversee all of the land use projects. When you see these big developments coming in, they are dealing with the uh, developers, uh, the community plan, which right now we are undergoing the draft community plan in Harbor City, uh, Wilmington, because the connected plan, the rezoning of the, um, uh, certain parts of the community changing from r1 to commercial retail uh, and just that's to, part of it as just well. to clarify on that you're saying that it's um rezoning different sections of yes. a city as yes. to what use it could be whether yes. it's residential yes. or if it's something that's going to be used commercially right. so the council office you know it really is very important it's a very important role um in our district we have the port and so, you know, we are, we have the port, which is, has its own budget, but we also oversee what goes in and on the port operations coming in and out of the port and revenues, possible revenues that should be coming into our community. So the council office, it's, it's really is, you oversee the entire district, the infrastructure, the resources, the parks, the Port of Los Angeles, so this is a very important role for our community because a lot of our communities within our district have not seen even street sweepers. Mm -hmm. Having the staff 
inside of the council office who is addressing these issues and getting constituent services to these areas is very important. It's not only the council person, the representative who's there, it's really the staff as well who should be in the community, who should be uh, uh, communicating, who is the first line from the community to the, to the representative so we can make sure that these services are coming back into our community and we have the revenues. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Well, I was just going to say, it really sounds like the role is to take care of the day-to-day, you know, every single day things that people need that live in the community. So, like, sidewalks and, you know, making sure things are functional just so they can go about their day, drop their kid off of school, get to work. And then we also have the legislation piece as well. So we do create law. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also, we need to make sure that these laws are enforced that we have on the books. And we and I hear it a lot in the community there's no enforcement we have a ton of signage but there's no enforcement that goes along with it and a big part of that is parking you know we have the signs you can't park here but we have no enforcement that's actually overseeing that and that's happening a lot with the trucks if you wouldn't mind could you give us a rundown of a few key points from your platform right I'm working with environmental um, groups and leaders on uh, environmental issues that we are have in our communities. Uh, one issue right now is the trucks that are idling near and around our schools and coming through our communities. We um, support the goods movement and the cargo, and we under- we know that people are not happy when they have the trucks coming through their neighborhoods. Yeah. Okay, and part of that is the routes. So addressing the truck routes is what we need to do and also enforcing what we have on the books where certain trucks cannot go down certain streets. We don't have that, that, uh, yeah, the enforcement is not happening right now. There are, there is a group, a task force that was put together and I know they're addressing some of those issues. So I'm very grateful for that group for that addressing that, especially in our communities. Um, also in Watts specifically, the infrastructure beneath the ground the it needs to be upgraded mm. where the water quality is not where it should be um also the air that we breathe from the trains the refineries the machinery the in the port i support 100 percent zero emissions as long as machinery in the port near and around is man operated Mm -hmm. and we can have both Mm -hmm. we are looking into the green new deal and bringing money in so we can address a lot of these issues and i'm very grateful for the groups that have been doing this like Muse for a better environment which has endorsed me Um, we're working with their group on a lot of these issues that they have been addressing for for decades yeah can i um since we're on the topic real quick can i address so what or ask um what can the city um, council's office do to make let's new like the green new deal for example effective here in the community in the district specifically so as i mentioned the zero emissions and machinery being um, uh, man operated but also being uh, not no more fossil fuels and uh, i know we're we're going towards that now and um, especially um, our governor said well, t- 2030 Mm-hmm. We're headed mm-hmm. that way, so I, in, 
with the cars as well. So because that's relevant that. to our district, we Absolutely. can make a huge impact in Absolutely. that in that agenda. Mm-hmm. So, um, what would be your first order of business if elected? To get these sidewalks fixed. That is the <laughs> first. I mean, we're already writing down all of the streets that need to be, you know, addressed. There's some that are. I can't even believe that they even try to patch them up where it's it's a total gun and repair. It's a total gun and repair. Um, that's number one. Anyone coming home from work after a long day, the last thing you want to do is try to, you know, navigate your way through potholes in the street, uh, you know, hopefully not bang your side door on a lifted sidewalk or trip. Um, that's the number one thing. Our tax dollars, our um, uh, property taxes go to these services, basic services. And I have been talking about this not only since the launch of my campaign, which was June 12th of last year, but for the past 10 years. When I started advocating in the community for basic services, it was because I wanted a tree cut. I called the city, I called the council office, asking how to get this tree cut in front of my business. And they said there was no money in the city's budget. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they were joking, mm-hmm. but it's the truth. It's been 10 years and we're still not cutting down trees. We're still not doing root abatements. We're still not fixing the sidewalks. We're still not fixing the streets. I, it's just, that's my first order of business. And our alleyways, some of our alleyways are horrendous. Mm-hmm. That's my number one crime. <laughs> the lighting, and when you have the adequate lighting, you're not going to see a lot of the graffiti. Most, if it's well lit, and again, if we do have patrols in our community, usually people aren't going to go graffiti, illegally dump, and that's, that's my focus, is our basic services. Mm-hmm. And I have actually have been the only candidate throughout the primary that was talking about the basic services. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we always hear. Also, 311. Making sure that people are aware of 311 and how to utilize it. Mm -hmm. And that is more outreach. Utilize 311. Put it, put on the app. Because once you submit a claim or a a service request through 311, we could actually track them. Mm -hmm. And so we can now start creating a matrix of how long the services are requested from the time it's actually delivered and where the bottlenecks are. Mm -hmm. And that has been part of my advocacy and also my experience in working with the neighborhood council budget advocates is looking at each department and how what they're doing and where the bottlenecks are in the city so we could alleviate and um, expedite a lot of these services streamlining 311 yes yeah. we know about 311 my husband and i use it all the time we have an Thank alley you. that we have to constantly take care of. actually mm-hmm. i shouldn't say we he is on top of it you know <laughs> when we moved in it was just a lot of it was a dumping ground and yes. honestly it still is a dumping ground mm-hmm. and he's constantly like taking our trash cans and breaking things down and putting them in the trash and then right. putting them on 311 yeah. um and then also we had a pothole in, in our street forever since we moved in and he put it in 311 um, and it was fixed within the week which is really really cool so yes 311 is amazing <laughs> and you know we have uh, neighborhood councils as well we have seven of them in our district and so utilize you know the, your neighborhood council 
and you know go to those meetings and let them know i sat on the neighborhood council for almost 10 years so that's why i'm promoting neighborhood council because they truly are effective they're the pillar of our community and they address a lot of those issues you know streets if you want to sign or if you would like to apply for a, a speed bump in your neighborhood how to navigate that and so neighborhood councils are truly effective in helping constituents get those basic services that are needed or and also the voice of 311 and doing the outreach and getting that word out there. That's great. Hey, real quick, just wanted to take a second to remind you that we have a Patreon. So if you're enjoying this episode and you're loving the podcast, then we invite you to check us out on patreon.com slash hello San Pedro. There you can find a way to support us and you'll get access to weekly bonus episodes. All right, back to the interview. Um, could you go through some of your objectives for each city? Because um, we know that CD15 is oh, it is the whole kind of like harbor area right. and it extends pretty quickly. So could you review those cities for us? Sure. And your objective, if you have a specific objective for each one. I do. You want me to give up all my secrets to my opponent? <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's start at the very top. So we have um, uh, Watts. And Watts is very unique. Um, a lot of services are needed, not, not, well, in regards to jobs, infrastructure, services, community-based services. There's a lot of nonprofit organizations that are out doing a number of food giveaways. I am actually very happy to see another nonprofit organization right now that's doing financial literacy, which is part of my, my platform. Yeah and also investment, savings, and entrepreneurship, which is another group that is a, a nonprofit organization that is providing services on entrepreneurship and getting kids, our youth, into that, um, uh, how do I say? Uh, like the mindset of starting to yes, think about those things? Yes, starting to think about uh, retirement, investment, and we see our youth now are utilizing um, IG, Pinterest, to do startups. My my uh, son's girlfriend actually has a business on IG, but um, providing that service of being a print entrepreneur and your investment and how to reinvest in your company and expand that is amazing. And there's a nonprofit organization in Watts right now that's doing that work. It's amazing that they're doing that. I want to expand that program throughout our district. Um, also in Watts, we need um, more housing to create generational wealth. We need a diversity of uh, retail to, for a local economy, so it could be rebus, entertainment, tourism. Watts is amazing. It has a lot of history. And um, I, I love being in Watts. I love going to Watts. Um, I'm, I'm a big supporter of a lot of the work that the nonprofit organizations are doing there mm -hmm. as well also community um, health clinics you know we need a lot of community health clinics and also mental health and wellness mm -hmm. uh, providers so for Watts you would say your main objective is to I mean that's a lot actually it is a lot <laughs> because you know the the community has been ignored for some time yeah. for a very long time and um, now we need to start you know addressing yes and reinvest and also, um, my goal is to st uh, generational wealth within mm -hmm. the community, mm -hmm. as well as public safety. 
Um, what are the other cities in the, in the CD? So 15? if you drop down, then you get into the gateway and the shoestring of city that connects us to the port city of Los Angeles. Uh, a lot of it's surprisingly throughout the district, people don't know where the gateway is. Yeah, I'm and guilty of that. I'm new. You're so guilty. I can use that <laughs> well, as my excuse. Honestly, but <laughs> I've grown up here, but I, I can't exactly pinpoint it. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, you said it's a shoestring So it's a shoestring. <laughs> so it's a, the long strip, and on both sides is a Torrance on one side. Oh. And we also have a Lomita, which borders Harbor City. And uh, we also border um, Gardena. And so it's that long strip that goes all the way down. And one of the things that I am working on with the community that we've had a lot of discussion about is branding. And uh, because they're so invisible. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, a lot of diversity with, within the gateway. But also the same thing, we're seeing a lot of traffic congestion. We're seeing a lot of RVs. And so addressing that um, because of, there's a lot of development going on because it also borders county. So you also see that traffic congestion and more density coming in. Parks, um, we need to expand that. Youth services and uh, a center where community-based services are also offered to the community. Centrifying it and making sure it's known. (laughs) Right, Right. Yeah. And then from, um, is the gateway separate from Harbor City? Yes. So then, then you drop down into Harbor City and uh, Harbor City. We don't have a market there. We don't have a supermarket. In um, Harbor City? No. Oh no goodness. grocery store. Oh, yeah. Right. So I know the community has wanted that for so long. Food and desert yes. then. Yeah. Um, as well as just healthy choices. And I think that's throughout the district yeah. is the healthy choices. Um, more uh, farmers markets, which I am in full support of, um, as well as community services and um, a job center, job placement centers, and within all of the communities within the district is something that I'm also advocating for. I've been called a lot in the past and received a lot of emails about um, sports programs, expanding our sports programs. We have the skate parks now. Um, and, you know, in Harbor City, it, it's, it's great because we have the regional park mm-hmm. and, you know, Machado Lake. So at one point we were talking about that they were going to fill it with um, so people can go fishing and paddle boating. And I have been called about more programs, youth programs, sports there at the lake specifically. Mm-hmm. So, so more recreation. More recreation um, and our senior centers as well. Mm-hmm. Then, community gardens. Yeah. I've been asked about community gardens too. And then going into the other two? Uh, Wilmington is very rich with history. The infrastructure is just amazing. Um, the Commerce on Avalon and uh, PCH specifically, we need to expand that more diversity, restaurants, retails. Um, we're now, there's projects that are on Avalon specifically. And that's going to take away from parking. It's going to take away from the local economy. And we do need affordable housing. We do need a balance of um, single family dwellings as well as multi um, uh, housing. With, I would, I am actually advocating, I do agree that we need the, more of the mixed use building. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. type. But um, having the community involvement is my priority and making sure that the community is involved in the decision-making process. And we're not seeing that right now, especially in Wilmington, mm -hmm. along with the truck issue and going through the community and um, as well as the uh, public safety. So Wilmington um, residents as well feel that they've been ignored for quite some time. And we are going to now address all of those issues and make sure that Wilmington is seeing the basic services that they are in desperate need of, and that's sidewalks, streets, road repairs, as well as creating a robust local economy mm -hmm. and addressing all of the pollution as well and environmental mm -hmm. issues. And that leads us to uh, San, San Pedro. Pedro. Mm -hmm. uh, I lived in San Pedro for quite some time, and I had a business in San Pedro, and the one thing that really makes me sad when I come into San Pedro is that it's not inviting. It's not welcoming. There's no signage. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like you're entering, you know, a, a, an amazing city. It looks very dormant and quiet. And so we have the, um, the ships coming in, the tourism. And when you come off of a ship, have you ever been on a cruise? When you get off in a yeah, city, doesn't it look fun yeah. if you get off? We don't have that. We need to have that energy, that excitement. Air. So, so tourism, specifically Harbor Boulevard, Harbor right? Harbor Boulevard okay. specifically. Mm -hmm. And um, that's my focus as we come into, you know, come down Harbor Boulevard. Our entire waterfront is gone. Mm -hmm. We need to redevelop that. Well, well, it's once ports of call. We have the fish market there, but other than that, right. we and need to redevelop that, and that's my main focus. That's my priority is redeveloping that. Okay, so working with the West Harbor development, you know, that's going on? Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, it's really sad that it's been over six years, mm -hmm. I believe. And we've been waiting for that redevelopment and there was some would argue longer <laughs> yes yeah. well yes it's been years and years that you know we've been saying we're gonna redo it 20 years yes mm -hmm. um that it should be redone but once they started tearing it down i think everybody expected it'd be right back up right and there hasn't been anything mm -hmm. so i know that there's negotiations and you know the anchor tenant and all of that and in the development the process but um it would have been nice to still allow the tenants that were there to stay there until we're absolutely ready. Right, right. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, because there was a teardown, and then there has yeah. been this long period of time of not having anything rebuilt. Right. Meanwhile, people lost their livelihoods in, in some cases. And, um, yeah, I've heard of even more severe cases. I have to. I really don't want to be yeah. a Debbie Downer this morning. <laughs> no, that's okay. But, right. but that's what that's what we're here for is to facilitate a conversation about right. those important issues. Right. Um, okay. And so that, I, oh, that I was gonna say that brings us perfectly into some of the issues that we asked the community members, like what were specifically they wanted to talk about, and so we're gonna go into that section now. Um, first being, um, can you specify your plan for the people experiencing homelessness? Thank you. I knew you were going there. <laughs> um, I have shared my story through my campaign, which is, has been difficult, um, but it has been therapeutic for me because I've never talked about um, my own 
<laughs> experiences, which has, you know, uh, made me a, a great candidate for this position. Um, after losing my son's father to um, gun violence, I was waiting for uh, services to come down from the state. And uh, unfortunately, I was living where I was, I was living in low-income housing, but the management company didn't want to wait for that back pay to happen. It took about three months just to receive the death benefits. Um, during that time, my son was going into kindergarten. And of course, you know, you have to buy the backpack and the school supplies and shoes and not having that other income or that help was very, very difficult. Long story short, I became homeless and um, I did live in my car because thankfully I had a car. Um, I had a job. I was going to school at the time. And during that time, just trying to uh, find housing was extremely difficult, but also financially, um, the credit check, you know, having to go through that process, having to um, get the first and uh, first month's rent and then the security deposit and waiting for that process. Meanwhile, trying to pay storage, I ended up losing everything um, in the storage because I didn't have the money to do that. So homeless, those who are experiencing homelessness, there's those who are families who lost their jobs and lost their homes um, with children. There's those who have, um, are on the streets that have substance abuse and addictive substance uh, issues. There's some that are on our streets who are, have, are experiencing mental illness and are not being medicated. We, we're seeing some that are just out there to commit crime. We all have the same goal. We don't want to see people in the streets. We don't want to see people dying. We certainly don't want to see people who are suffering and people who are just, their intentions is to commit crimes. So for me, we need to have, everybody needs to have a part in resolving the issue. Public count the, the public health. We need to get outreach workers out there, not those who are just working nine to five. We need to expand that. It needs to be seven days a week. Mm -hmm. When when people want to want the help and they're ready to go, we need somebody there ready to take them. We also the people that the individuals that I have spoken to, and I know certainly through my experience, you're constantly going through a new contact a person that you're speaking to, whether it's the county or the city, you know, the or um, just even trying to receive the housing, then you're talking to another individual and keeping track of the appointments, keeping track of who you talked to last, keeping track of where to submit this paperwork. It becomes frustrating where you just want to give up. And I certainly understand that. And then the length of time that you're waiting, you become so untrusting nobody cares about me nobody wants to help me um how can i fill this out how am i going to get there to this appointment at two o'clock in downtown la and then make it to another part of the city by four when i'm sitting here waiting the entire day just for maybe food stamps 
or public assistance or GR and then you then you need a social security card it people want to be housed and there's some that don't and I truly think that the people that don't it's because the system has failed them they no longer trust the system and they've given up they've given up on not only the the system but themselves because then it makes them feel well I'm not worth it if they don't care about me why should I care and then they're also self-medicating we need mental health providers out there we need uh, physicians assistants who can give a prescription medication out in the field we also need that constant contact with compassion and I know that some of our officers do have compassion however they're not social workers and we should not be utilizing our uh, first responders as uh, public health providers and social workers there's no accountability on the money that we're giving to these organizations that are saying that they're doing the work show us your results so we can keep pumping more money into if you're showing us the results but we're not seeing the results and we're putting our eggs all in one basket one organization to take care of this when they're providing services not only to the city of los angeles but to long beach to lakewood to inglewood we need our own public health system within the city so we can utilize our revenues, our money, and invest into public health. And I have been advocating for that for over 10 years. We are too reliant on the county, the state, and the federal government. It's time that the city just take it on and let's address it our, ourselves, mm -hmm. along with the housing. Mm -hmm. um, we wanna make sure we get to all of these. Of course, there's a, a ton of follow-up questions I could get into. But um, we're going to move into one of the other questions from um, from our listeners. We've asked a few people. Uh, so what is your plan for the inevitable loss of affordable housing as our waterfront? So this is kind of specific to San Pedro and Wilmington, but as our waterfront communities kind of get gentrified. That is what it is. It's being gentrified. But it's also self-gentrification. <laughs> I'll explain what that is. I know, that's a new term. It is a new term. I'm making up all my new terms. Um, self, I call it self-gentrification because when you're not receiving the services, basic services, when the property taxes are sky high, when property values are, are very high, you begin to give up and say, I'm moving and I'm going to leave. That's self-gentrification. You choose to get up and move. And that's what's happening. I've spoken to a lot of residents that said, I'm done. They won't pick up the trash. The streets are not fixed. The sidewalks are, are crumbling. I can't get somebody here to cut my tree. My home is now worth X amount of dollars. I'm just going to sell and leave. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that throughout Los Angeles and the state. Mm -hmm. It's too expensive. I was at the market this morning. I was overhearing a conversation, gentleman saying, it is way too expensive here in California. I'm leaving and people are leaving. Mm -hmm. We want to keep people here. I don't, I truly believe in generational wealth. I truly believe that once you plant your roots and you love your community, you stay here. And I want to see that again. 
Um, it kind of, for me, that kind of remind. It just sounds like a vicious cycle where we are not getting what we need from Return from on. our from our mm-hmm. community, from our city, mm-hmm. and we're like, cool, like it's on my house, and we're. We're basically cashing out, yes. On and we're not seeing the vision, right? right? As far as like developers come in and they can mm-hmm. see the potential, but mm-hmm. when you've lived here for a long time, sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to see the potential. Right. So we leave. Developers come in and see the potential. They reinvest, and right. then that's what gets city services here. But by the time it's totally functional and livable, it is too, for another it's population. Too expensive for right. for the people that have grown up here. Right. Yeah. I personally experienced that. So, <laughs> right. um, yeah, just I've grown up in San Pedro, well, right above San Pedro my whole mm-hmm. life. And when we came time to look for a home, we really couldn't afford it. You know, right. it was just not in our budget. It was just way out there. Um, so, of course, you know where we live because you went door to door and you actually knocked on our door. But we live really close by here in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually uh, the same thing. We were looking for a home, and it was unaffordable here in San Pedro. We looked in Wilmington. <laughs> we looked in Wilmington. I love Wilmington. I, I wanted to move there. And we ended up finding a home in Harbor City. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy where we found our home, and that's where we landed. Yeah. But the same thing. We wanted to actually stay here in San Pedro. I hear you. Um, so speaking of another major concern from our community is traffic. And I think you kind of touched on this, but can you address the concerns about the increase of traffic? And because we are the Hello San Pedro podcast, our questions are somewhat geared a little bit towards Mm -hmm. San Pedro, Mm -hmm. but specifically the traffic that is on Harbor and on Pacific, Mm -hmm. and that tends to bleed into Gaffey and then on Western. Right. Um, Thank you for mentioning that, actually. Back when I did sit on the neighborhood councils, we... um, we were opposing the Pacific Road Diet, which dropped it down to one lane. And um, we were told at the time that if we wanted it back to the two lanes on each side that the city can do that. They never did. The community wanted it back. And you see that bottleneck, especially on Harvard. Well, if, you know, during the time when people are coming in and out to, you know, get to and from work in the port, we would use Pacific or Gaffey, but now, you know, not having that access, there's one way in and one way out of San Pedro, and I've always said that. Um, what we started seeing when that road diet happened was cars going through communities and people asking for stop signs and speed bumps because they were speeding through the communities. And you know, you see kids riding their bikes or playing outside after school, and it becomes extremely dangerous. And then parking is is atrocious. You cannot park anywhere. With all of these developments that are going on, we don't have the adequate parking for these structures. And I do not agree with any project being approved without adequate parking, along with businesses. I owned a restaurant and um, working with the, um, the city, your establishment needs to have adequate parking for the amount of patrons that can come into your establishment. And you're not seeing that. There was some time when I did advocate for, there's public parking 
in, in and around San Pedro that is city owned. And doing a two-story to would alleviate some of the, the parking because now we have the parklets, which I also advocated for many, many years for these parklets for businesses, but they take up about three spaces. So even if we have the diagonal parking, which is something that I want to do on Avalon in Wilmington, would help with the um, traffic congestion and the parking issue, but also these big, huge projects that are, are don't have the adequate parking and also right next to single family dwellings, which I don't agree with either. I think that any project that is brought into our community, which I will do, absolutely fits in with the landscaping of the community. A lot of homeowners are very fearful that they're going to have a three to four story building right next to their home towering over with 300 units or 50 units. Some of these projects were proposed at a minimum amount of units and in the middle of the project, they're now adding additional units, which is not adding adequate parking. Mm -hmm. um, it's unbalanced. It doesn't fit the landscaping of our community, and we're not addressing the traffic issues and the congestion, and also as well as pollution. Mm -hmm. We don't all have electric cars, and we don't even have the infrastructure to, it. once we go to electric, we need to now start putting in the infrastructure so we can have the charging stations, and we're not even thinking about that, mm -hmm. and we're not that far away from it. Yeah. So addressing the infrastructure as far as charging stations as well is something that needs to be done right now. Um, you touched on our kind of our part two to the traffic question, mm -hmm. which was parking, which was a huge concern brought up by some of our listeners. Mm -hmm. um, people feel like they can't, they have nowhere to park here at downtown. We right. lost the courthouse mm -hmm. um, parking. So you've, you've really addressed that. And I think, you know, that makes a lot of sense. It's going to be, a lot of people are going to be happy to hear. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of take us on another um, uh, concern that's come up. So, you know, I've lived here for a long time and I would say that, I mean, it's not just me, but we've heard that there has been somewhat of a divide between San Pedro or maybe a disconnect is a better word mm -hmm. between San Pedro and some of the other CD15 cities. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a plan for how to unify the cities all together mm -hmm. and kind of make it more of a cohesive community? Mm -hmm. um, thank you for that. That's what I felt too when I started advocating. Um, there was a division and um, there wasn't really, I believe that a leader can bring everybody to the table. And I say this continuously, we all have a goal. Our goal is all the same. We just have different ways of getting there. And so having a leader who can bring all parties together that have the same goal and could help manage how we're all getting there, that's something that I have. And that's uh, my secret talent that I have is being able to unify and bringing all parties to the table no matter um, the opposition or um, the lack of communication that we see. I would hear different things in the community. Well, you know, this community is getting this and um, we're not getting that. And there's a, there's a lack of outreach, there's a lack of communication, there's a lack of bringing people together to have those discussions. Um, networking our, our um, nonprofit organizations together because I what I've seen from doing all the volunteer work and community work that I do we see a lot of overlap for our constituents our stakeholders to have access direct access 
to our council office, those offices need to be up and running on a daily basis. There needs to be somebody there who is addressing the constituent concerns and constituent services, but also having a community meeting where we can bring all parties together and having quarterly town halls is something that I will implement and making sure that our field representatives are at every single meeting that's happening in the community, but they are, but that they're more united. <laughs> so they're not so many. <laughs> and um, that would be very, very effective. That is my plan. Something that I'd like to ask is, um, if elected, you will be the first Latina yes. to represent a district that is 63% Latino. Right. Um, what has the journey to campaign for this position been like? The good and the bad. The good and the bad. Um, the good has been that because I have been in the community for so long, people remember me and the different things that I've done. That's the positive, that they remember that I helped them. Maybe it was just providing them a service or a connection or a card of where they can get services to. And they said, wow, you helped me and um, I support you. That's been the biggest positive. Um, as well as seeing young ladies in the community, especially since you bring up me being Latina, um, seeing young ladies in the community who are um, very proud to see another Latina run for the seat and the, the thanks that I get from other women by saying thank you for doing this, that it touches my heart. The negative part, having to cut through the teardowns the doubt, um, me having to prove myself three to four times more than anybody else, um, not having those networks, the, the big money, and not being a part of that establishment status quo and really proving myself um, is a little difficult because people don't trust our government because they've been let down so many times they feel ignored, they feel invisible, they've given up hope. And it's like, why should I vote? Well, we wanna be conscious about your time, so we wanna say thank you, but before we close, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, I do wanna talk about transparency and accountability. And um, I have been named the watchdog of the community. And that is because of the work that I did with the Neighborhood Council Budget Advocates and looking at the revenues and the money. When you follow the money, you see you know, where it's going and why it's not being uh, properly allocated. One thing that I have been speaking about with um, our community members is the transparency and the accountability, the allocations of our city's revenues and where that's going into. The transparency part of it is that our representatives should be having more of these uh, town halls. Money's coming into our community, what should we do with it? Giving them a seat at the table. When I'm in the community and we see a, a, a project starting, the first thing I hear is, what is that? Nobody knows. There's no transparency in our council office right now. And these projects that are coming into our community, the community needs to have a seat at the table. 
free. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, if I could ask a very non-urgent or relevant question to the campaign, but you always have a beautiful, uh, I've only, I've seen you in pink blazers, like these beautiful blazers <laughs> and not to be the person who focuses on the fashion of like a, a you know, candidate, but I just, I love, I love to see it. I went to fashion school and I do admire women who just like boldly dress um, do you have any comments on how you like to get dressed and prepare for the day? I do, and actually, we should have talked about that. Being a being a female candidate is uh, quite different. Yes. Um, I come from the space of branding. I uh, through every business that I've had, I I've always I I know my brand, and so I knew okay if I'm branding myself, who knows me better than me, and you know. I'll use the iconic McDonald's golden arches, right? So I've used uh, my colors. So my color scheme, my palette is part of my branding. And so it's my pinks, my teals, whites. I always make sure that I have, you know, those colors in there because then it's like, oh, that's Danielle. Like, you'll see that. So getting ready, I always make sure I have a pink, a white, or some teal with me, and my hair always the same way. Um, my makeup, I try to always be the same way, because now people see me, they're like, oh, that's her, that's her. We walked into um, In-N-Out last night with the teal, and a couple recognized it, they're like, oh, that's her, that's Danielle. But also, um, I'm very much a girly girl, so I love my heels, and I love my makeup. <laughs> And I love my accessories. But um, yes, being a female candidate, um, having to have myself together and make sure that, you know, my brand is there because I am my brand, but also getting up in the morning and making sure my son has his breakfast, making sure that he's at, at school on time, then making sure that I go to the market, my bills are paid, get to the office and, you know, start sending back these emails, getting ready for interviews, preparing, educating myself, you know, being out in the community, doing the volunteer. I mean, it, for a female candidate, it's a lot. And then having the makeup with me, making sure that I'm blotted because then we have pictures. And as women, we're very insecure too. Oh, I don't like that picture or my hair was out of place. Um, these are a lot of things that males don't have to think about that we yeah, do. Yeah. There's a whole other like department I feel like to be to being a female candidate, mm-hmm. and that is appearance, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it entails so much more. Mm-hmm. And um, then yeah, and I was just gonna mention um, you talking about branding mm-hmm. as an, a candidate who isn't as recognizable. Um, right. It is like something that you do have to focus on mm-hmm. to make yourself someone that can be stand out. That can stand mm-hmm. out exactly and yeah. be recognizable. Mm-hmm. Would you say that you're better known in certain communities than others? Yes. Which communities are you the most well known in? Um, San Pedro and Harbor City ish, mm-hmm. and then I amongst community leaders in Wilmington, mm-hmm. uh, I provided a lot of. Um, support to a lot of the community leaders not how do I say this um more of administrative Mm -hmm. passing along ordinances things that they should be looking at new projects that were you know coming up um issues that were coming from city hall things that we needed to do as far as public comment that has been more my um connection with Wilmington and 
I'm not wanting to step on anybody's toes, mm-hmm. but being that support system, especially because we do have our community plan connected and making sure that we're both advocating for each other. And uh, I'm known in, in that regard more in Wilmington as being that, that support system. Um, but in the ground, it's mostly in San Pedro and in Harbor City because I did a lot of work with a lot of nonprofit organizations and a lot of um, community uh, events within San Pedro. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Thank Truly. you. Truly, yeah, we, I really appreciate it. We really appreciate your time, and we're so like it was very wonderful to get to know you and to hear what <laughs> you're you. what you're passionate about. Thank you. That's all for our episode. Follow us for more on Instagram at Hello SP Podcast. Huge thanks to Rock Ashfields at Palm Realty Boutique for providing us such a gorgeous recording space. And thank you to all of our amazing Patreon supporters. Leave us a review and share this episode with your friends, neighbors, and coworkers. See you next week. Bye.